Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 113, Data. I'm coming back to data today because... There's been a fantastic report published. It caught my eye on Twitter. The So What of Maternity Data, published by the Healthcare Quality Improvement Partnership. Well, with a title like that, I just had to take a look. Thinking about starting this episode, I thought, well, I've done an episode on data, haven't I? And I looked back through my records And I did indeed do an episode on statistics and my thoughts on statistics and some of the issues around different data sets within maternity care. So if you're interested, you could go back and take a look. Rather shockingly, although it feels almost like yesterday, that was episode 30. So go back, have a listen to episode 30 if you want to. Today, I'm going to talk mainly about this So What report. The So What report is different from many of the reports we see. Um, It's got a lovely infographic if you haven't got time to read the whole report. And their objective that they've set out was to explore how the multiple national data sets and national audits are being used within maternity services. What becomes apparent immediately in the introduction is that the final paragraph is the really crucial one. I love it. It says, this report is not yet another report facing out trusts and people doing the work on the ground. Instead, we hope that it has managed to capture the voices of these people and present this report to those at central bodies. As you know, much of my work is exactly that, capturing voices of women and families using our services and helping healthcare professionals understand the impact they're having. So this report, for me, fits very much with my whole ethos. But instead of capturing the voices of women and families this time, it's capturing those of us in clinical roles or quality improvement roles or audit roles within our hospitals who are trying to make sense of the endless sources of data, the endless different definitions of sometimes very similar things and how we report out and how we might actually 
use that data in our day-to-day to improve things for women and families? How can there be different definitions of things? Surely something is something or it isn't something, I might hear you ask. Okay, well, let's take continuity of care as a simple example or not so simple. Continuity of care, does that mean seeing one midwife all the time throughout the antenatal period, labour and afterwards? Does that mean seeing a someone from a team of midwives? Does that mean seeing no more than two people from that team of midwives? Does that mean seeing the same one midwife for at least 75% of your appointments? In a woman's mind, it just means, well, I just saw the same person. But to us trying to measure it and make sure we're meeting a target and make sure that this is something that's practical within the workforce, we need a definition. It's a little bit as if you went to a greengrocer and asked for a bag of apples and they might say, well, do you want green apples? Do you want red apples? Or they might say, do you want Granny Smith's apples or Golden Delicious apples? Or they might say, do you want a kilo of apples? Do you want a pound of apples? All the things would be slightly different. It would still be a bag of apples, but there would be slightly different versions and definitions. Reading the report, it's immediately apparent that rather than being helpful, the data appears to be a bit of a burden. And that's certainly something that I experienced when I was leading my own maternity service. I do recognise things have changed a bit and there are more data sets than ever before. But I do remember when I was the lead clinician or clinical director for my service, that deciding what and how to use the data, what to focus on, what of the numerous numbers I was shown were, first of all, accurate, and second of all, useful, was very difficult. If you look at the report and the findings, one of the key issues they've found is actually quite encouraging. The 85% of the respondents felt that at least one national data set was influencing quality improvement. So we are using the data and making it useful. And the data sets that people most felt were influencing change were maternal and neonatal mortality the EMBRACE reports and the HSIB reports, Health Safety Investigation Bureau. And that's really great. I mean, those are 
the most worrying and most significant poor outcomes. And so the fact that those are most influencing change, brilliant. And clinical staff definitely like recommendations. And I would agree with that. When I'm reading a massive long report, if I haven't got time, I haven't got energy, the bit for me that always resonated was the recommendations. What are the recommendations? What do I need to be doing? What do I need to be acting on? Rather than a lot of the analysis. Maybe that's just the way my brain works. I know from, you know, those personality tests, Myers-Briggs, I'm not a data thinking, an analytical type brain person. So possibly that's to do with me. But even if we are very in-depth, detailed people, having the time to do that in a busy clinical environment can be difficult. And I guess what we need to think is that for data, we actually need stuff that works for everybody. So it needs to work for someone like me that's not very data analytical and it needs to work for the person that is very detailed and in-depth. Okay, what are the recommendations? So it's really interesting to me that a lot of the recommendations talk about trying to align the metrics, not duplicating collection of metrics. And also there should not be very similar metrics being collected. And that's definitely something that resonates with me. I remember as a clinical director having to collect very slightly different data sets of what was essentially the same outcome and report it out to different people in a slightly different way. And that just generates extra work rather than doing something meaningful. The other thing was the suggestion that there might be a single website that would signpost to all the up-to-date guidance on mandatory reporting and to all the different maternity data sets. And I think that would be really helpful because looking through the report looking at the various different um, data sets that they were asking people about, I'm not ashamed to say that I was not aware of some of them. I mean, the NNAP, National Neonatal Audit Programme, not one I'm familiar with. The NPID, National Pregnancy and Diabetes Audit, G-I-R-F-T, getting it right first time. I mean, maybe I'm just a bit ignorant because I'm not currently responsible for my maternity service. I am, in inverted commas, just a clinician working in it. But I'm a relatively senior clinician and I am contributing to and aware of some of the other data sets, such as the PMRT, Perinatal Mortality Review Tool, and the NMPA, National Maternity and Perinatal Audit. So I found it slightly disturbing that I hadn't heard of some of them. 
The one downside of the report is there are a lot of anacronyms and these are all explained but I must admit for me I had to keep going back to the beginning and understanding what they were talking about particularly the NCA POP National Clinical Audit and Patient Outcome Programme which I've never heard of which reading the report seemed to be quite important. The people that responded to their questionnaire was pretty split between doctors and midwives, 42 identifying as midwives and 37 as doctors and then a handful of other people such as nurse, manager, admin, etc. And I'm not alone in not having been aware of some of the reports. Some of the respondents, like me, were not aware of the reports. And what I found really shocking is um, the data, what they've called the data burden. So they asked people, do you have difficulty prioritising and acting upon all the national data sets and reports? And 57% of respondents said they often did or always did have difficulties in prioritising and acting upon all the national data sets or reports. There's also a massive chunk that said sometimes they did. So the vast majority of people find that the data, rather than being helpful, can be a burden. And I particularly liked the free text answer for me in reports it's the recommendations and the vignettes the little case studies that bring things to life and this little free text comment was the system is completely overloaded and everyone is drowning okay you might think that's an exaggeration but to me that totally sums it up We are just being given more and more information without the time, the resource and the knowledge to know how best to use it for the people under our care. So that's quite a big barrier and significant numbers, 68 and 66% of people saying that to use the data for quality improvement, resource constraints and time constraints were a barrier to actually using the data. Other people commented about the difficulty of benchmarking, so comparing yourselves with other trusts or one region to another. But the thing that came through really positively is something called making data count training. People saying making data count training should be absolutely everywhere and mandatory. Again, I've never heard of the making data count training. As a clinician, I had some slight training as a medical student as to how to read a scientific paper and try and evaluate what was important or what wasn't 
and what was statistically significant and what wasn't and what data may or may not be useful. But I really had very little. And when I look at what my children have done at maths A level, which I didn't do, their statistical knowledge is way beyond mine. So I don't know if this has changed in medical school or whether it needs to be part of postgraduate training, but really understanding data and how to make it useful and basic education on data for doctors and midwives and nurses and people within the system would be helpful. And also relationships with business intelligence. So business intelligence, I know what an NHS name, are the people within the trust that usually sort out data and dashboards and give you useful information. And I used to find it laughable. And this isn't to insult our business intelligence people where I work, but I did used to find it laughable that it was called business intelligence because it never seemed to me intelligent, useful or accurate. Anything I asked for was always almost impossible for the poor analysts to try and extract from whatever computer system we had. And looking at the comments people have made in this report about their interactions with business intelligence and central data collection at trust level do seem very inconsistent and that there are still a lot of difficulties getting meaningful data and that interface between the poor analysts who are completely overloaded, who are trying to do data for a whole hospital or a whole area, and the poor clinicians who are trying to get from the experts something that helps them at a clinical level. So that interface seems really important. I think the other thing that's important is at a trust level, data becomes prioritised when it is used for something perhaps financial. So there are a number of comments made that people were able to get good data for the maternity services data set that was being partly used as the maternity incentive scheme. The maternity incentive scheme is where a maternity service gets a certain amount of money for meeting certain safety requirements and it's part of the CNST clinical negligence scheme for trusts run by NHS resolutions. People commenting that the maternity incentive scheme is helping to drive improvements in data because the quality assurance um, is more important for that data because there's a financial risk if it's inaccurate. So there's much to think about with, with this data report. The other thing that I found 
really interesting was the mention in the introduction of something called the Goldacre Review, the recently published Goldacre Review, commissioned by the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, explores how the NHS can deliver better, broader, safer use of NHS data for analysis and research to drive innovation and save lives. Well, again, I haven't heard of the Goldacre Review. Okay, maybe it's a very recent thing. But I certainly have heard of Professor Ben Goldacre, who is responsible for leading this review. And I'm actually really excited now because I used to read a column in a newspaper by Professor Goldacre called Bad Science. I think he even wrote a book about it. And he is amazing at unpicking what I might call bullshit science, where scientists or quasi-scientists make great claims about things and don't actually have good data to back it up. They're using bad data or bad science, as he likes to call it. So I'm really excited to discover that I have totally missed his report, which appears to have been published in April. And that's now on my to-do list. I need to read that. And being me, I've clicked straight to the executive summary. And what have I clicked to? Oh, yes, the recommendations. Now, like the report says, so what? What is the purpose of today's episode? So what? What's my zesty bit? Well, I think my zesty bit for me is, oh my goodness, I need to go and look up and discover what the making data count training is because I've never done it and it might actually help me. And I also need to make sure that other people in my trust, also have undertaken that training and know about that training. The other thing I'm going to do, and that I would suggest you do if you're a health professional, is share this report. The So What of Maternity Data, I've put a link in the programme notes. Go back to your people at work and show them the report see what they think of the report, start a conversation about the report and get as many people as possible to do the Making Data Counts training. And when I say go back to your people at your trust, I don't just mean the maternity people. What about your service managers? What about your business intelligence? What about your quality improvement team? share that report with them so that they can see the challenges you're facing, perhaps as a clinician, and how they might better support you and how you might all work together to put some of these recommendations that are local into place and 
help continue the conversation upwards to try and ensure that some of these more national recommendations for the Royal Colleges and NHS England hopefully come to pass. And if you're a pregnant woman and you've listened to this rambling effort on data, understand we're not data analysts. We might struggle and we might give you contradictory data and we might find it difficult to give you any data because it's very challenging. But know that we are trying. The thing that comes through in this report is absolutely the dedication and enthusiasm of clinicians to use data to improve care. Remember, 85% of respondents felt that at least one national data set was influencing quality improvement. So we're doing our best to improve things and use the data, but we've got a bit of a way to go. So be patient, watch this space. I very much hope you found this episode of the OBSPOD interesting. If you have, it'd be fantastic if you could subscribe, rate and review on whatever platform you find your podcasts, as well as recommending the OBSPOD to anyone you think might find it interesting. There's also tons of episodes to explore in my back catalogue from clinical topics, my career and journey as an obstetrician and life in the NHS more generally. I'd like to assure women I care for that I take confidentiality very seriously and take great care not to use any patient identifiable information unless I have expressly asked the permission of the person involved on that rare occasion when it's been absolutely necessary. If you found this episode interesting and want to explore the subject a little more deeply, don't forget to take a look at the programme notes where I've attached some links. If you want to get in touch to suggest topics for future episodes, you can find me at the OBSPOD on Twitter and Instagram, and you can email me theobspod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.